0: In this episode, we talk about what separates good marketers from really great marketers. Plus, we cover the trouble Elon Musk has been getting himself into and I ask Tony, should a brand run competitor campaigns? All that and a whole lot more in this episode of Inbound Buzz. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz podcast, your weekly jolt of all things digital and inbound marketing brought to you by redpandas.com.au. Now for your host and co-founder of Red Pandas,
1: Moby Sadiq. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz podcast, episode 127. My name is Tony Cow, and I'm joined by Moby Sadiq. How are you going Mobes? i'm good tony i want to ask in front of everyone because
0: it's being recorded and we're not going to edit this how come you don't come to my jiu-jitsu gym because i'm like scared. i've invited you so many times for like a whole year and you never come like why what do you have against me
1: not you but the stories you've told me about your school i'm a bit terrified so you know just just try to level up first you know you got jay apparently that's the killer you got Fung, and in but well, no one knows who you're back. talking
0: about. He's talking about the guys from AM Visuals. <laughs> but anyway, I thought I was going to get something. I didn't. But what are we talking
1: about today, Tony? Uh, our first piece in our news buzz. How brands and agencies are reacting to Elon Musk's radical changes at Twitter. So if you haven't heard, um, Elon Musk was basically forced to buy Twitter. Um, that's the story going around. And yeah, he's taken over. He's walked into the company with a basin saying, let this sink in. And he's starting to cut staff. He's starting to add fees into the platform. I want to know, will Twitter survive? Is Elon Musk a genius or is he completely crazy and the journalists are right, Mobs? What do you reckon? See, this, this bugs me a little bit, right? People, journalists who have never achieved
0: anything in their life, they've never created a business before, they have the ego and the audacity to call Elon out, who's created the world's most commercially profitable company on earth. He's created Tesla, he's done stuff that NASA contracts him to, he's created the Boring Company, he's taken over Twitter. Like firstly, I just got to get that off my chest, like that whole thing of attacking Elon when you haven't done anything yourself, it's a bit rich, right? There's two things you need to know about Elon. One, this guy knows how to run businesses, right? He created the electronic vehicle industry. Yeah. He created the boring company. SpaceX. SpaceX. God knows what else he's got. These guys started with PayPal. This is not their first rodeo. You don't become a, and this is what annoys me when I and I know it's for clickbait, but the thing is people fall for it. You don't, you're not some unhinged lunatic who is just some big kid and accidentally become the richest man on earth. That doesn't freaking happen, Mm. right? So he knows how to run businesses. This whole the other thing too we gotta remember is he is the king of free PR Mm. he's the king like you're telling me before he puts a tweet out and dogecoin pumps 30% right he's been doing this for a very long time people like him Donald Trump love them or hate them I don't really care either way you have to respect the fact that they know how to get free spin Mm. right so there is no way he got forced into something he's got more money than 99% of people on earth he bought this because he sees the network effect and people, this whole thing twitter dying like a lot of people use twitter a lot of people use twitter in america right in a, america across the world in australia i mean it, it's in some circles you know like sporting events it is a very a, a temporal thing when there's an event it tweets people are like i'm gonna leave twitter this guy knows what he's doing so you have to remember he's very good at creating businesses and he's the king of free spin mm. so with him at the helm there's even more reason for Twitter to succeed.
1: And my last point is um when's Trump coming back? They don't know. They say he's not going to be reinstated yet. So I'll let your comments. <laughs> Look,
0: I mean, I'm a minority myself. So obviously a lot of his policies have affected people I'm related to, right? But I will say that if I'm forced between freedom of speech and suppression, I'm always going to pick freedom of speech. Because at the same time, like, you know, they under the guise of freedom like you know, hate speech and stuff, they banned Donald Trump. But then they also banned like people like, you know, I don't know if it was uh, Gigi Haddad or Gigi Haddad or Bella Haddad or whatever, who's Palestinian background. Every time she puts tweets about Palestine, the the algorithms downgrade her, right? So, or people committing certain atrocities in the world, the algorithms downgrade them. So I'm always more prone to free speech, whether I like it or not, whether I like it or not, I'm always more pro to free speech than suppression of arbitrary values. Oh, we're going to ban Andrew Tate. We're going to ban Donald Trump. We're going to ban someone because they don't fit the narrative. Most of these people I don't agree with, but I'm not for just, you know, blanket
1: blaming. Here, here. I agree with what you're saying. Um, but this is a marketing podcast. So yeah. let's move on. <laughs> what, what, else, what else do we got? Snap partners with Amazon for new AR shopping experience. So like Amazon They're they're smart. They know what they're doing. They're partnering with um, Snap, you know, just to get more business, more commercial, you know, like revenue. But what I found interesting was Snapchat um, actually invested like a lot of like investments into this um, new product where it's AR. So um, it's basically just like AR is augmented uh, reality and it allows you, you know, to do stuff where like, um, all sorts of different stuff. So, you know, like digitally you can look at um, stuff and work with gadgets and stuff. But um, what they did was um, they're allowing for like, let's say you're buying eyewear, like glasses and stuff. You can try it on, on the app and see how you look in it. And I find that interesting because it's- And then buy it. And then buy it. So it's improving the customer experience. And I think that's so important, especially in e-commerce and stuff. And Amazon saw that. And there's like 250 million people engaged um, with these AR lenses and over, over like 5 billion um, you know, times it's being used. So I find it interesting that e-commerce is starting to change where instead of just looking at an image, in the future, we can try products, we can try things. Mm. Maybe not taste, but you know clothing and stuff like that, it will make it so much better, just a better
0: user experience. I think it's so smart. It's it's so going to work. You know People are in, impulsive buyers. That's why the BNPL, buy now, pay later industry skyrocketed, right? I don't have the money now. Fundamentally and morally, I don't think you should buy something you can't afford, especially if it's an impulse mm. or a luxury good. Just freaking save money, right? What happened to lay-by and, you know, those things. But anyway, each to their own, right? Fundamentally, we are in this impulse shopping era. So the idea that you can go on Snapchat, see your face on in a pair of Ray-Bans and then buy, crazy, man. Mm. Crazy. Now, maybe we don't go crazy with that, but the next generation, Gen Zs and Gen Alphas, Man, this is the way of the future. It's very exciting stuff.
1: You know what I'll do, Moby? ray Bands. I'll just use the app and I'll take a screenshot and I'll upload my profile and I won't buy anything. That's my little trick. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> awesome. All for the gram. Moving on. Best way to use links on LinkedIn. Yeah, this one caught my eye. It's not a, it's
0: not a news article per se, but uh, one of the things that I've always dealt with, and I know a lot of people at Red Pandas and a lot of our clients, how do you post links on LinkedIn? Because- First thing you got to know, just to go step back, most social networks hate you leaving their platform. They will downgrade you when you share a link. So if you just take a link and you drop it into LinkedIn and it does the preview in the image and you just do a post, LinkedIn by default is not going to show that to its network because it doesn't want them to leave. So what we'll often do is a lot of the, the Red Pandas podcasters will share our links to our podcast but we know they're getting downgraded. I know this happens with a lot of clients as well. So what do you do? So anyway, this guy called Luke Matthews, he's a LinkedIn ghostwriter. He calls himself a part-time wizard. He's a, he's a fun guy, he's really cool. He what he, do, what he did was he did this experiment where he tested um, a bunch of posts. He changed very little copy and he tried putting the link in the comments, the link in the original post, A link four hours later and a link an hour later as well. And then he measured the results. So, what I found really interesting was he said that adding a link one hour after was best. Mm -hmm. And he also talks about the fact it's kind of smart because you're not spamming people. Like if you do it a day later or four hours later, like they've just commented and now they get like another comment from you. So... Um, something to be mindful of. I know I found it useful, so I want to share it with the audience. And thank you to Luke Matthews.
1: Don't you just love it when someone just split tests and they hack the like the system and they just test? I just love yeah. people like
0: that. And then everyone finds out about it, and then we ruin it as marketers. <laughs> yeah, so
1: true. <laughs> yeah. The uh, final one. Final one. Google is getting rid of similar audiences segment. So in August 2023, similar audiences are going no longer to exist. And remind everyone what similar audiences were? So just like lookalike audiences on Facebook, similar audiences were Google used the pixel and your data to build up an audience, similar to um, your audiences related to your website, you know, conversion, sales, whatever. Whatever is.
0: database you put in similar to that, okay. Yep,
1: and it's going, so just a FYI, it's coming up with a new optimized targeting for video display discovery and performance campaigns an audience expansion that's more for brand awareness so just letting you know if you need more help please comment um give me um send me a p.m and i'm happy to explain show you on your platform Mm. whatever it is i think
0: you meant dm oh sorry but maybe it's p.m something so what's
1: p.m for private message you know or am i out of private message private message is it I don't know. I oh, said, so my bad. No, no, no. You're <laughs> probably right.
0: No, that's cool. So, wow. So, like, they're getting rid of similar audiences. Like, that's crazy. Like, yeah. is this a privacy thing?
1: Yeah. Well, it has to do with the uh, pixels and the Google, the cook the cookies. So, I think, um, you yeah, know, things are changing as we're yeah. known. So, they're trying something different, I guess.
0: And sometimes when one network does something, another network's not far away. So, I wouldn't be completely surprised if Facebook got rid of lookalike audiences, too. Mm. So, you know, it kind of fills that argument that we talk about all the time invest in earned assets not rented land 100% focus on your database focus on your own community that type
1: of thing and that wraps it up for our news buzz our next um, featured buzz segment is what separates a good marketer from a great marketer
0: I think this is really interesting for two groups of people one a lot of our clients right now we do a lot of hiring we always I mean I think it was last year there was more months we were hiring than not hiring right so It's either either you're looking for a marketer or you are a marketer yourself and you're curious what actually separates, you know, very good to excellent marketers. Now, the first thing that sort of came up, um, and again, this is something our, our clients struggle with a lot, is what do you look for? Do you look for like a generalist marketer or do you look for a specialist marketer? Now, I'm sharing my screen here. Well, let me go to the right point here. This is an article that we put up and we'll share in the show notes as well, redpandas.com.au forward slash EP127. You can read this article that we put up that Luca, our content marketing manager put up. And essentially it is three columns, right? It's talking about a specialist versus a generalist versus, versus what he calls a special general generalist. Mm-hmm. So I don't know whether he found that himself, but you know, the special generalist. What's the difference? A specialist is really good at like maybe one or two things. They're mm. very good at them, right? So, for example, Facebook ads and maybe copywriting. A generalist is not very good at any one given thing. They're like a general practitioner, right? Mm. They're a little bit of Facebook ads, a little bit of copywriting, a little bit of Google ads, email, whatever. But they don't know enough to do damage, like to do get really good results in any given area. A special generalist is someone who is really good at you know, maybe two things, right? Maybe Facebook ads, copywriting, and they have a general experience on email, Google ads design, right? Mm -hmm. So it's essentially like a specialist, but they have some general expertise in the other areas. Now, you might say, oh, well, that's obvious. But the thing is like, if you have, you can actually train a general specialist, or a special generalist, right? Mm. A special generalist. You could have someone who's actually really good at a couple of things, but they have, and we're going to talk about the other qualities right now. To have these qualities that can develop the generalist skills on some of the other areas. Mm. So, yeah, that's definitely the case. Now, in terms of the actual, in terms of the actual qualities, right? Uh, the first one, I mean, I'd call that the first one being a specialist generalist. The second one is communication skills because like in marketing you're always communicating right either you're like communicating in a presentation you're communicating in a workshop you're communicating to an audience you're writing some copy or you're approving some copy or you're creating a brief for a video the art of communication is really really important but also i always sort of say right again we're talking about good to great we're not saying like if you don't have these qualities or you can't find these qualities that you shouldn't hire someone the, the whole topic is great marketers. Mm. So that's what we're talking about. Okay. We're talking about A players here. So a great marketer has really good communication skills because it's not just about doing the work. But, you know, we talk about revenue teams. We talk about using stakeholders and getting the most out of stakeholders to create content, dealing with, uh you know, a difficult sales team, even like, you know, dealing with a difficult CEO, mm. right? Knowing how to manage your manager. We talk about that, right? So being able to communicate with your team members and also to clients as well, it's really, really key. Uh, the next one is lifelong learner, which is very much linked to the one after that, teacher's mindset. So we, we talk about this a lot at Red right, Tony? Like the idea that the appetite for being a lifelong learner, the appetite to learn and grow, like no one knows everything. Like right now, I'm trying to really double down on my sales skills. I have three sales coaches right now. Amazing. Which is actually like a little bit of a problem because <laughs> like sometimes like I need to sort of, you know, be careful like because if you listen to everyone, you know, things can conflate. But there's three people I speak to for sales coaching right now and I'm reading. A sales and you're book. reading as well. Yeah. And I'm oh, reading yeah. sales books right now as well. So that needs to be there. Now, that's, it's, again, it sounds like common sense. Oh, of course I'm a I'm a learner. No one's going to say, oh, I'm not a learner. No one's going to say, I'm not a lifelong learner. Everyone's going to say yes. So the devil's in the detail, Tony. I think it's about like asking someone, what's your like learning? Like how do you learn? You know, are you a reader? What's your learning process like? The key to look for is the process. Someone might, So for example, they might say, oh, yeah, you know, like I enjoy reading. I like to read, you know, every night a couple of pages or I like to attend a couple of conferences. We're looking for specifics here, like how, not like, are you a learner? Oh yeah, I love to learn. How do you learn? Give me examples mm-hmm. of how you learn. I think that's the key there. Interesting. And teachers' mindsets' ability just to take that in and then, you know,
1: teach others and helps on the marketing side. Your comments on that before I go so to the next bit. So great marketers, um, I've got two questions. Great, uh, With great marketers, you're saying about the specialist journalists. Are they people with like years of experience? Like that's like a has to be like decades of experience and age. And like, do they make mistakes? Like these so, great marketers. A Good question. What comes to mind? Something um, like,
0: you know, our business partner, Bob from Impact talks about is professional maturity. Mm. So I don't think it's necessarily years of experience, but someone who has some professional maturity, they've worked with clients. They've worked in a business you know, um, they've gone through, like they've worked before, like they've worked in the industry. Like it's one of those things, right? I remember, you know, him telling me that he was on a panel and, you know, people told him off because someone's like, oh, you know, I hire young people all the time. I hire people with no experience. And he's like, but you have to spend time with them. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a balance. I don't necessarily think it's like someone with years of experience. Like you could have someone who is getting into sales for the first time and they've never done it before, but they've worked, you know, in a high-pressure place. You could have someone who's working in marketing. Maybe they only have a little bit of experience. I'm less interested in the, the experience that they have. I want them to have a little bit, but do that professional maturity, have they worked somewhere before? I think they're the kind of things that I personally look for.
1: Okay. So, yeah, with personality and characters, is there a particular type that you go, yep, he's going to be a good marketer or it, you know, maybe a particular type of person, that nah, he's not going to be a marketer?
0: I think it, I mean, for all the qualities we spoke about, I think like if I had to summarise them, what makes a, separates a good marketer from a great marketer is one that they have definitely a learning growth mindset. Two, they're adaptable. Yeah. Right? When you think about businesses who thrived through COVID or died in COVID, they were uh, either adaptable or not adaptable. Can they pivot? You know, like there was restaurants who shut down for life and there was others who were like, you know what, we're going to go dark kitchen. You know, we're going to pivot our business entirely. We're going to do home kits right? Like that's just one example. So, are you adaptable? And for me, as someone who interviews a lot of people, I look for that like, how have you adapted to a difficult situation in the past? What did you do? You know, look for specifics like that. The final thing I'll say, and this is the bonus one. So, we spoke of the qualities we spoke about were being a specialist generalist, having great communication skills, being a lifelong learner, having a teacher's mindset. I'm not gonna add this next one as one of those because this is really a unicorn, right? This sp- separates very good to really great. Like, I'll just go ahead and say, it's essentially consistent content creators, right? These are, uh, Tony, you shouldn't really be looking for this. Mm. But the reason why I say consistent content creators is they, they're creating content consistently, but they have to get really good at writing short form copy. So, for example, if you think of a TikTok creator, like they have to write little snippets all the time. Anyone. It could be a blogger. It could be someone who never even shows their face. It's got nothing to do with that. But they're consistently creating content because they develop this sixth sense of figuring out what makes audience ticks. Fantastic. What actually people listen to. What do they stop to? They get really good at listening and crafting messages that actually get exposure and engagement. So, again... It's not like, and this is not, if you just find someone who's a great content creator and they don't have the other qualities, then I'm, you know, don't hire them, right? Mm. They have to tick all the other boxes. (laughs) But really, if I think about what separates someone, if you want to be good to great, be a content creator, create that muscle. That skill is so transferable, whether you're writing, you know, video sales letters that you talk about and you do, Mm. whether you're creating scripts, whether you're trying to go on camera, it
1: is so transferable and it will do your career wonders i agree 100 um content creation is so important building that muscle isn't it it's just like getting creative with it and like it's like come to our next um section um as we wrap this up oh yeah uh, can we fix it moby and tony can they
0: I'll have a look at your notes, Tony, while I share my screen. So, okay. So, the brand we're talking about today is called Echo Consultants, right? Now, actually, Tony, I've spoken to this gentleman before, um, named by, uh, called Frank. I've spoken to him a couple of times. And what these guys do, they do consulting, Uh, business consulting, business coaching, uh, help businesses, you know, with, I guess, anything in terms of growth, exit strategies, that type of thing. Now, these guys are pretty phenomenal. So, when I was talking to Frank, what I spoke to him about and what I saw on the website, it's like chalk and cheese. So, Frank actually, he developed Australia's, I think, Australia's largest uh, IT hardware company that was valued at $280 million.
1: Damn.
0: Like, I almost didn't believe it at first. I'm like, whoa, are you serious? And I checked out their site and sure enough, it's almost a a third of a billion dollars, right? And when I talk to Frank, he talks about things like, These are the factors that make a good client engagement, right? The idea that someone has gone through your shoes, has been in your shoes before. They've had those problems before. You're not alone, that type of thing. So he's got a phenomenal story. But then when I look on his website, right, and let's look at this one together, I don't see that. So what's the first thing you sort of see, right? We are here, eco-consultants for people who are listening, you know, on, on Spotify or whatever, you can't see it. But we're looking at a website, there's a pipe in the background, remove product, uh, profit leakage. Your first thoughts?
1: I see a leaking water pipe. So I'm thinking maybe it's a plumbing business. That's just me looking at that Mobs. Um the headline, like I, I just don't know what's it about. Like I'm just looking at the banner images. It's a little bit confusing for me because I don't actually understand the business yeah. And the thing is, and if you guys remember,
0: we talked about Story Brand. We're going to touch on Story Brand principles just briefly today, but go to episode 122 where we talk about Story Brand. But the whole point about Story Brand is to counter the problem that you said. This website is asking the consumer to burn too many calories. And it's not you centric enough, it's not like customer centric enough. We're not connecting a problem to a solution and talking about the before and after state, right? So what I would recommend a brand like this to do is create a brand script. So really quickly, what a brand script is, it's on one page and it takes the consumer's problems, it talks about the before state, after state, it forces you to ask yourself a series of questions and what life looks like before and after. And then what we recommend and we do this with our clients is we create a one-liner. Now, a one-liner would solve that problem what you're talking about, Tony. You go on the website, the images, okay, the images now we're looking at, or we were looking at a bunch of old people smiling on the beach, great. Now we're looking at some pipes, now we're looking at some graphs, right? It forces you to get your messaging clear so people know your value right away and it's you-centric. It's about the customer. So, I mean, not us-centric as the business, you-centric as a customer. Now, I can't do this now because I would need to know the brand script, but an example I would give, we're working with a client called Member Jungle. And they're an amazing business. They do uh, club and membership software. Okay. And they had, and I won't go into it now to save time, but they had a very generic message on their website, which we uh, uh, which we worked with them and helped them redevelop. So it was something that was quite generic. But their one-liner that we dealt with them was, Member Jungle is everything you need to manage and grow your club under one login, allowing you to get back to enjoying your club. It's about you. It's talking about a problem. A before state, it's talking about an after state. Very quickly, you can see what they do. Member Jungle is everything you need to manage and grow your club. So I'm going to manage my club. I'm going to grow it. I've got one login. So that implies I don't need many systems to get back to enjoying your club. Mm. It's really thinking about the consumer. So that's one thing. Um, If we scroll down the page a little bit, key reason why businesses fail i do like this i think this is really cool normally something like this i wouldn't have higher in the hierarchy of a page i would have the value drivers first so for example a value driver could be and i'm pulling a figure out of my butt here but it could be businesses on average earn 13 percent or 15 percent more profits our typical engagements are three or five years whatever the point is the brand script actually forces you it actually it's not like genius, it's not rocket science. Mm. It asks you questions you already know, it pulls it out on the page, and what are the things they actually give a shit about? And then you take that and then you deploy it to a place like your website. You deploy it into your marketing material, onto your website, that type of thing.
1: I, I love that stuff most because that makes marketing so much easier down the track, right? Like-
0: it may- a lot of stuff that you talk about, that you do, Tony, ads, sales letters, uh, video sales letters, mm. emails you just take your brand script like oh, what am I going to talk about today? Let me pull it out yeah, of you 100%. So uh, what else what else? I think the rest of society is okay. I mean really yet yeah, we've got some testimonials here but I think I would like to see value drivers like I said before. but the other thing too is when I speak to Frank, he's got such a good story. He's been there, he's done that. you know even someone like myself, a younger CEO could benefit from that experience. I don't see it here. Mm -hmm. I want to see Frank's, you know, and I know this is, you know, Echo Consultants, but I want to see Frank's story here. I want to see his experience a little bit. I want to be comfortable that someone has gone in my shoes before, Mm -hmm. you know, that's that. The only other thing I would say is the blog, I I would change that to Learning Center. I think some of the content is okay, but I would have like a pain like a row where you have content that is evergreen that never really changes mm. and it is bottom of funnel. So, you know, we don't need content around working, you know, productivity on remote working. Is that useful to the audience? Yeah, maybe, but we're not in the business of being friend-zoned. We're here to make money, right? So what what are those commercial articles? So for example, it might be, you know, um, how to select a consultant, right? That could be in that featured row. Mm. You could have what you can expect from working with uh And I hope I'm saying it right, by the way. Echo consultants, what you can expect of working with Echo. Are you a right fit for Echo? Mm. So you could have these three or four that are in the top pane and they're featured articles and they're always there if you go there. And then I guess from the rest of the stuff, I do a lot of big five type of content, right? The, so the big five for anyone who hasn't uh, listened to the podcast before, there are five types of content that people, when they're ready to pull out their wallets and make a buying decision, we look for. Best versus prices, reviews, and problems. So for example, problems with consultants, the price of a consultant, and then give them a range. So, I mean, I think we'll probably leave it at that because we've got to move on to the next segment, but I think um, story brand principles, They ask you answer, making it more customer centric, using images that actually are related to what they do or a positive state. There's some of the things that come top of mind first.
1: Fantastic. I love that
0: stuff. All right, cool. So the next segment, the next segment we've got is Tony's tip. It's been a while since we've done. I mean, you're always dropping tips in all the episodes, but specifically Tony's tip, right? And the question I have for you today, Tony, is, and we get this a lot, should I run competitor campaigns? And maybe if you can
1: start with what a competitor campaign is yeah, and then get into, you know, what you think. So, yeah, we run, um, we do run a lot of these competitive campaigns. And what it is, let's say specifically on Google Ads, is we'll run a campaign where we're bidding on a brand's um, name. So, for example, Red Pandas. We might potentially be, you know, like bidding on Red Pandas or you know, Red Pandas Digital Marketing Agency just to get more, uh, you know, s- uh, if we weren't red pandas,
0: like we're obviously yeah. red pandas. So oh, an yeah, example sorry. might be, say, we're bidding on blue pandas or ABC marketing, right? Yeah, we bid on that term.
1: Yeah, so um, it's you know it's a good strategy to use, but um, it's when and you know like you know to use it for your funnel or to you know your marketing strategies. Well, I got some pros and I got some cons, and you know when to use it. So some of the pros of doing a brand um, compared to compared to a campaign is um, the pros are, is cheaper clicks, right? So, you know, because of your know, demand supply, a lot of these brand names are a lot cheaper. You know, we're, we're not talking about like Amazon stuff. We're talking like, you know, smaller brands or your local brands that you will get cheaper clicks. Also, um, your brand awareness, you know, it's about getting more brand um, awareness. You know, like if someone's finding, um, looking for ABC marketing, red pandas can come on we'll get a little bit more brand awareness so you know that helps it's very beneficial and also you know like if you're seeing the similar products you know like digital marketing or you know paid ads and you want to be there i think that's a good time to um you know that's a pro sorry some of the cons is like um you could be starting a war like a comp- bidding war yeah, yeah. and you can have problems and you know you know be going back and forth usually it never happens honestly i haven't seen too much i know
0: I-, I think the risk and the fear is overstated isn't it though i guess it's definitely possible
1: but i think it's the fear is a lot overstated for that to happen 100 usually we tell clients don't worry about it you know like you're not going to start a bidding war <laughs> like they're going to run out of money somehow like if that happens um lower click-through rates um usually you know because if someone's looking for a brand for example if you know google pixel the phone you know um starts bidding on apple phone iphones well you know the click-through rate's gonna be a lot lower right because you know you got um consumers who are just loyal Mm. to you know apple it's not gonna buy a google phone let's be honest like so you gotta um, be careful of those um situations and also yeah just like the loyal um the loyal um customers and you know you know that tribal you know customers who just loves that brand, you know, you're not going to win much from that. Like, that's the problem. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you're not going to definitely not going to win from bigger brands and that type of thing. Absolutely. Mm.
1: When to bid and when to use competitive, um, you know, marketing, um, your bids on Google ads is um, I don't recommend doing it on the early stages of, you know, your advertising because, you know, it's better to go for high intent keywords, go for keywords that, you know, you can get more value out of it's more of a scaling perspective where you've capped it, you know, your whole, um, your high intent keywords, you've used it, you'll max out all your resources. Okay, let's scale, let's look for more traffic, let's look for you know, more you know, revenue. Then you might look at that, you know, that's what we do. Always in, it's the last, one of the last steps that we look into. Mm. Um, also, like, your brand, your competitors has to have like some search volume. There's no point bidding on an ABC digital marketing, you know, campaign where they've only got two searches. It's wasting your time. You know, let's focus elsewhere. And also I think, uh, lucky last is like, um, you should do your research on your competitive like, brand. So like, there's no point bidding on Amazon, right? Because you're not going to beat Amazon. But maybe you can bid on like a smaller company that's similar to you, but you got a competitive edge, right? You can go, hey, man, we sell something a little bit cheaper or a little bit better or faster. That would work a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, my lucky last one is, and you made a good point, is sometimes when a competitor is closing down and we do it with one of our clients, we'll go bid on that brand word because, you know, people might be looking for this center or this, you know, like shop and it's closing down to get redirected to your Yeah, and that's
0: the special creative Mm. situations so i like we said around the whole amazon thing like people are brand loyal they know what they're looking for so don't bother with those things like even if you think you're the next big amazon and you're a startup you're probably not um i love the idea of going after local companies but yes the example you're talking about uh one of our clients childcare is they're in child care and there was a center closing down and had a lot of like well had some decent local search mm. so you know there's a captive audience So obviously, you can't use the brand name in your ad, but you can bid on that term and you can say, hey, we're a center near you or, you know, looking for an alternative. So yeah, exactly. So having those little creative campaigns where something's happened in the media or something's happened with a competitor um, where you could, you know, leverage and take advantage of it's and you're, you know, you're not trying to take advantage, you're trying to take advantage of the situation to help a consumer.
1: There's nothing wrong with that. 100%. And just be mindful that like on mobile searches, like sometimes people are looking on mobile searches as... They've got their um, mind made up they're going to the closest store or you know the closest um area so like bidding on those keywords might not help and might not get conversions so just be mindful of that awesome
0: love it okay yeah use it wisely don't just go spray and pray use it when you scale when you're looking for extra mm-hmm. i love that tony because really at the end of the day if you have running campaigns and you have a good impression share not to get too technical you can, you know, keep scaling those. So Mm. really good advice. That's all the time we've got today for you guys. We'll join you again for another episode of Inbound Buzz. See ya. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next
1: time for another Inbound Buzz hit.